Welcome to another edition of Browner and Lawhead here on the Mighty Air 1090 ESPN. We are coming to you on a Tuesday in our normal time slot, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. It is All-Star Night. So those of you who are not watching, you're probably catching up with us via YouTube or you're probably catching it with us via podcast on the iTunes Podcast Store, all under the Kaplan and Crew banner of the Great Friends Podcast Network. I am John Browner, as displayed on the screen. He is Jason Lawhead, as displayed on the screen, but he's also a famous comedian. Hey, I heard our commercial on 1090, and it was hilarious because they introduced you as world-famous comedian. That's hilarious. And so I was Did like, they give ha! you any credit for coming up with that world's famous no, comedian? That, of course, of course that, that sounds like a uh, like a like a burger joint owned by a comedian, world's famous comedian. <laughs> um, yeah, man, what's up? How'd you? What'd you think of the Derby last night? You know, I that's a great question because I thought the actual action was entertaining. I thought that ESPN absolutely dropped the ball. Shout out to ESPN Radio and the Mighty Earth Tonight ESPN. I thought the broadcast completely dropped the ball with the the old man feel to it. You've got all these young, fresh Latin guys out there, and you basically have Albert Pujols' grandfather interviewing these dudes and, and calling a home run derby. I, I I I was one of those people who thought it was time for uh Boomer and the back, 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 back. Yeah. Like it was time for that to go. But to then just throw Carl Ravage, I think that's who it was, whoever yeah. it was calling it, like it was just another baseball game, just didn't do it any service. They've got young people at ESPN, and this was the one time where ESPN should have peacocked, and, and baseball should have, baseball's, this is their peacock event. These are our best young guys doing the, the one thing that we have that is stylish, and that's pure entertainment, and purely for the fans. And the and the television broadcast did not meet the hype of the actual event. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Um, I'm I'm glad it was a good derby, though. You know, we talked yeah, about good. this yesterday with the dunk contest and the derby. I thought mm-hmm. it was good for baseball. I thought it was good to have that old veteran blood, that legendary on his way out guy, um, competing with the new face of the next 15, 20 years of power hitters. So you've got the you know short list. Hall of Famer pool host with with 600 and change. Uh, and I thought that was great for baseball. So I think it did its job. Um, hopefully ten, tonight's game will, you know, the nine innings or so. And if it goes into a derby, which is the extra inning rule, uh, they give us at That'd least cool. something. Gave us at least something to enjoy. And uh, as we talked yesterday, I, I got to go to three of these all-star games. Some of the best during the steroid era, uh, Jacobs Field, Cleveland. Coors Field, Denver, and Boston in 99 Fenway Park. So uh, nothing will ever match those heydays of those uh, <laughs> all-star games and those personalities and all those kind of players, I think. But um, tonight could be a good one. Dodger Stadium, great place for it. Yeah. And, you know, uh, baseball needs a good one. They also said that apparently, uh, I don't know if this to be true, but the rumor is, which probably isn't a rumor if I actually look it up, uh, but – the winner of the home run derby, if the game ends in a tie, that was supposed to be who gets home court advantage, which they got to stop doing that. Decided on the field. Put the home run derby on the field. One t- each team pick a guy. You send the guy out there for 60 seconds. Mash away. Winner gets the home court advantage, if that's how you want to decide it. I still think that's stupid because now, you know, the regular season 
doesn't matter. Win, win 125 games. Guess what? You're well, the road I think team. they went back to that, didn't they? They went back to the best record. Yeah, they, they did. But yeah, the, the idea that they would even float yeah. something like that out, I found mm-hmm. that to be pretty silly. We um, This show is a very open forum for things to discuss. We don't hide away from anything. We don't run away from anything. Like on today's show, there are rumors, rumors of the Pac-12 and the Big 12 not merging. There's rumors LeBron, AD, and Russ were on a call together. There are rumors that the 9-11 families are asking Trump to not hold the live. By the way, live is making a mess in this country, and I couldn't be happier. Uh, we're going to get to that story because they may be breaking up inside the NBA's TNT team as well because, you know, money talks. But before we get to any of that, we, we talked about pride yesterday. We didn't get in trouble. Don't worry. But now a story comes out by Adam Schefter that he spoke to Carl Nassib. And if you don't remember that name, I will give you a refresher. Carl Nassib was the pass rusher who came out as openly gay as a member of the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. And now magically, somehow, some way, he's not signed. And I, I said this, I said this at the time. He will not be signed next year. It is not because he is gay. Because I don't think people care. I definitely know there are gay guys in football right now. No one cares that he's gay. He wasn't good. And I think he used his opportunity to try to boost his career and stay in the league by being gay, but he wasn't good enough to be in the NFL. Because there are people saying, oh, he's definitely good enough. Look at the stats. And I'm not even a big stat guy. The guy had a sack and a half last year. He's got 22 sacks in a six-year career. That's not good enough. So if if you start to see this story trending in the next couple of days or you start to see this topic being brought out, how the NFL is is, is non-inclusive, they aren't. They aren't. And why are you shocked by this? But this isn't one of the reasons they're non-inclusive. They're not inclusive to guys who aren't good. And this guy isn't good. Yeah, I mean, I'll back up almost all of that sentiment. I will say, I will say to kind of fracture any of that argument in a way, I will say that I think that if there are, there are at least possibilities that it could be a fraction of teams wouldn't look that way to even work him out or try him or try to fit him in or offer him a, uh, you know, a, a low monetary contract to come in and, and be a, you know, guy at the, at the backup end position or something that, you know, you need bodies. Right. So I wouldn't say 100% that there aren't some that would say, you know, certain owners that are, you know, mega church donors and all these kind of right. people that, that live in a certain bubble and that's the one that they're going to stay in. And that's what they're tried and true to. And, um, and it's convenient that I will back up, like backing up your argument. It, it, it makes the, the fact that he is not sought after. He is not all pro material. He is not a guy that you're sitting there going, we got to get our, our hands on this guy and put him at, right. you know, so there's a convenience to that as well. But also agreeing to your point sure you know at some point you know (laughs) if lawrence taylor was you know uh little richard nobody would have cared right because 
if little Richard could come off the end and break your leg uh, every three snaps, then he would have been playing for the New York Giants in probably 1987. Because, right. you know, what as, I'm saying, as, like, as right? gay as gay can get. Yeah. So, I mean, to some point, I think there's a small degree of convenience for some owners and possibly some front office guys that grew up old school, live old school, stay old school. And, and, um, and then there's obviously the obvious when you step between the lines, what can you do no matter what your sexual orientation is? And I think it's, you know, the, the latter than the former, you know, in this case. I, I just, <laughs> I think that this, the, the narrative, and, and, I'm, and I'm speaking on this now, just to get ahead of this, if this becomes a talking point, because this is a slow news week. The idea, which is, by the way, why they dropped this story during the slow news week. I think the idea that Carl Nassib is the type of player that you, like you said, if he was Lawrence Taylor, if he was Jared Allen, okay? If he was yeah. Miles Garrett, no one would care. It wouldn't be talked about. The man would literally be the highest paid defensive player in the league. But he's not good. And this is was this was the plot that he put in motion last year. And I said this last year, and I got so much flack for this. And I told y'all the truth then, and I'm telling y'all, he came out to help him stay in the NFL because that was the last card he had. And now that's not working either because no one cares that you're gay. They literally don't care. Can you get to the quarterback? Yes or no? Right. The answer to that question for him is no. So now he's got to go do something else. Hey, when Cam Newton was at the top of his game, I'm not accusing. I'm just making light of, of not, the way uh, I'm making light of how he dresses. Right? <laughs> like Cam right. Newton's not oh, all of a sudden going, "Hey, man, I, you know, it ain't nobody signing me because I wear, you know, Stetson cowboy hats with capris and flip flops to, uh, you know, the." The press game comp, post post game breser. No, it's because you're just not the same Cam Newton you were when you took the Panthers to the Super Bowls. Why you're not getting that kind right. of attention, right? So, like, and that just happens to fall in this line. And I and I yeah, I'm, I, I wholeheartedly agree that at this point, nobody cares to the degree that if you're going to make this argument, you think they're caring. Like I said, there may be a small fraction of people that it would be like, hey, you know. Um, Unless he's Lawrence Taylor, I wouldn't. You know, I, I don't. I don't want any of that distraction here. He's made his peace with himself. Whatever. There's 25 other teams or 30 other teams. But yeah, in this case, uh, I would say that uh, that is going isn't going to wash, so to speak. Um, and I think this story would will go away faster than it it will get bigger. Hopefully, something else that finds its way to the never regions of conversation is what's going to happen with these conferences. So now it's clear that the PAC 12 and the big 12 aren't merging, not saying that they won't steal schools from each other, which I'm going to talk about in a second. They're not going to merge and them not merging is great news for San Diego state because the PAC 12 has 10 teams and the big 12 has eight. So as I look at this, San Diego State has now two options as opposed to one to get it into the big boy football conferences. 
which I hope Pac-12 is the way that they go. But the idea that if I'm in the Pac-12 and I'm going to go play in the Big 12, what does the Big 12 have to offer me that I don't already have? Like, yes, we lost our two biggest uh, flagship schools in USC and UCLA, but so did they. Oklahoma and Texas just bounced on them too. So if we're having an ugly girl contest or ugly man, I don't want to be discriminative. Big 12 is uglier. It's way uglier and it has way less history. They don't even have a school at the level of Stanford historically in sports to, to have a leg to stand on. The Pac-12 has that. And for me, looking at this conference realignment and all these people moving and going around, the one thing I now sit and I worry about is whether or not the Pac-12 has the sense to add San Diego and San Diego State to their conference because if you add San Diego and you add UNLV, you now have the last two large population or semi-large market population cities that are not taken in that division. And I think those should be the two targets with San Diego State leading because they're better at sports and UNLV a close second because they have Las Vegas. Yeah, and that's what the conferences will examine the most. Are those size of those TV markets? And that's where the Big Ten went. When the Big Ten decided they were going to venture out and get non-traditional Big Ten, they only went out and sought the major television markets, which was mm-hmm. Rutgers in the New York, New York, uh, New Jersey area, and and Maryland, which was in the DC um, area. So, uh, and now and you're then, bringing the two Los Angeles teams. What's that? And now you're bringing the two Los Angeles. Well, teams. right, of course. Now, that's yeah, that's just. I mean, that is like you know, you're you're almost going, you know, semi-global as a conference when you get that far <laughs> out in the outer reaches, and then you take right. two Los Angeles teams. But you're right, and I think that you know, it's a it would be a no-brainer. I, I mean, uh, you, you know, UNLV when you look at, uh, you know, what they would be able to probably uh, piggyback off of being in a big Pac 12 conference. Um, and you know, uh, San Diego, as we mentioned, San Diego state with the new stadium, it's, it's almost vital for not just the new stadium because they got that with football, but with where the basketball program has hit their ceiling in, in this mountain West, right? Like, you know, the basketball program is, is it, it's done so great, but if it really wants to challenge itself, to becoming a team that could be a, you know, perennial beyond the sweet 16 type of team contender, you know, an inside of a one to eight seed, you know, perennial type of team to be, you know, associated with that kind of um, measure in basketball. I think that the next sensible move is to, to try to get into that Pac-12 as well. So um, do you lure a couple of more? Do you try to just break up the and like we talked about, I think on last week's show, or maybe it was yesterday. I can't. My, my memory is not as good as it used to be. But uh, you know, I think this is a kind of a last heartbeat for the for the Big Twelve, and in the sense that can we survive, or will we be totally broken up here? And and I think this new commissioner's job here is to either you know you know either save it, merge it, or you know be the guy that watches it break up. For good, because I like you said, I mean, pound for pound right now in the Big 12, you would say Oklahoma State pound for pound is the best sports program pound for pound. Kansas has got basketball, but their football stinks. 
Um, you know, Kansas right. State is okay in football. Yeah, you know, they make some noise, but their basketball team is Baylor has the you know, Baylor has the best balance. Baylor has the worst tradition because Baylor was at one point, if not less than a decade ago, rape you. Right. Like literally. Of Right. Girls were being and they've got some and they've got you know right and but Oklahoma State you know they've got baseballs great there right. and they've got some great women's athletics at yes. Oregon State as Baylor does Baylor is always a, you know a, a good women's basketball program so mm-hmm. um, you know so that that there's a lot of questions that have to be answered within the I think the Big Twelve more than the Pac twelve I think the Pac 12s time right now is to seize the best opportunities and you know not to sit on the fact that. UNLV, that Vegas market is growing exponentially. It only gets bigger, the suburbs, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, more sports teams are there, pro sports teams. So uh, this would be a huge move for UNLV to get back to that legitimacy that it felt during the Tarkanian years and um, try to, like, bring some type of, uh, you know, at least semi-tradition to its football program. They've had flashes of brilliance in the past with Randall Cunningham's and a couple other teams but it's been pretty much an insignificant you know just team on the schedule for uh scheduling purposes and if you're looking at it as from a from a perspective again the non-merging is good news because if you're looking at it from a perspective of cities bringing in las vegas where the pac-12 already has their conference tournament there anyway for basketball and san diego which while building the new stadium what better place to do conference business than Southern California? Sure. So it, it it makes good business sense for both these two cities to join. I don't know the accreditation because apparently there you have to have certain levels of uh, – because J.D. Wicker was saying that you have to have certain levels of accreditation. I don't even think accreditation is the right word, but you have research levels. So you have to be tier one research – a tier one research school to join certain conferences. Okay. But it's not the end of the world because Arizona, Arizona state, they don't have that uh, uh, research situation and they're still in the pac 12. So if San Diego state again, can't get in the pac 12 and UNLV can join them in the pac 12. I think those are the best two uh, uh, scenarios for making the conference semi whole because people keep saying, boy, to say, boy, to say, boy, to say, what the hell has Boise State done other than winning a bowl game against Oklahoma like a decade ago? Yeah, on a trick play, right? Right. Like what? Like what else has they have they done on any level? Basketball, football, baseball, tennis, track and field. You you give me something that Boise State has done that makes them above the two schools that I've named. Like where is Boy Boise State is in what part of Boise, Idaho? Yeah, Boise, Idaho, and, uh, you know, other than some really colorful uniforms and fields and, and courts, grass, grass, and they're in basketball courts, all painted, all, you know, nice-looking colors. They've got a great art department there at uh, Boise <laughs> State. Perennial power art department at, at Boise State. So maybe... We've uh, got the best, yeah, we've got the yeah. best design uniforms and courts and fields. There you go. Going coast to coast them in oregon can them in oregon can have like a uh you know like a like a painting off you know the university in the finals of uh painting logos and and artwork and jerseys and stuff like that (laughs) jersey design (laughs) and this year the award goes to and it upset boise state boise state what a trick design at the last second beats oregon it's a tearaway uniform the band is on the field (laughs) 
So yeah, man, this this the conference alignment thing has been a very, very uh uh obvious money grab. But if you're going to have a money grab, you know, take the two biggest cities with the most to offer as opposed to some ideal that of Boise State being something that, you know, it isn't. Uh uh I before we get out of here, I recommend people who watch the show to listen to it, listen to it on, on the radio. Because there is a very hilarious ad about this show that's a 30-second ad. And I'm going to get it by tomorrow. And I'm going to play it because it's super-duper it. funny. I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, it's super-duper funny. And when you hear it, you're going to laugh out loud. Uh, we're in the newspaper. So go buy a newspaper. Uh, the Mightier 1090 front page. Big events coming up. Lots to talk about. We're going to talk about Donald Trump, but under what circumstance? And LeBron, Russ, and AD have spoken. And the person that they talked to, was that Donald Trump? We'll find out when we come back. Brown and Lawhead. Mightier 1090 ESPN. Back like we never left. John Browner, Jason Lawhead, Brown and Lawhead. If you miss anything on the first side of the show, you can head over to the iTunes podcast store and over to YouTube. And check out what you missed if you're not already watching this on YouTube or listening to this via podcast. Those are for people in their car listening on the Mightier 1090. We talked about the home run derby last night. We talked about a uh, certain uh, person who came out and now seems to be left out in the cold and why the Pac-10 and the Pac-12 won't merge. And that's a good thing for San Diego State. So head over to the iTunes podcast or, or over to YouTube if you're in your car and check those things out if you missed them. I'm John Browner, joined by Jason Lawhead. Jason. There is big news again coming from your favorite subject. <laughs> Live golf. I <laughs> I know how much you hate this. And I think that's what gives me so much joy. Um, there is now the following people who one has taken their money. I think David Faraday is an announcer on the golf channel. Sam Smith. Sam Smith, Cam Smith, I'm sorry. Sam Smith is the singer. Cam Smith, who may be the next big name golfer to sign with Liv. And now they're going larger than life in a crossover attempt to bring Charles Barkley into the booth to work their tournaments. Now, Jason, 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 Jason. How much more do they need? to convince you to come watch. Because now if you put Barkley in the booth, you put Faraday in the booth, that's now, now you've got what I like to call and what I criticized baseball over in the first segment. You have entertainment while watching the game. And if this is not about entertainment, what's it about? Well, I, I just, that's not compelling enough for me. Like, I don't watch. So when CBS has the tournament of golf that I have on, uh, I watch CBS. I deal with Ian Baker Finch. I don't, I don't, I'm not an Ian, Ian Baker Finch fan. I deal with Nick Faldo. I'm not a Nick Faldo fan. I like Jim Nance for all the stuff that he does, but it's not why I'm going to be watching the Memorial on Sunday, the final round, or even maybe an hour or two of it on Saturday um, when it's on NBC and it's Dan Hicks. And uh, I don't, I, I like, I don't have any problem with Dan Hicks, but I don't, love Dan Hicks. I don't know, it's not why I'm watching. It's because it's the U.S. Open and Mike Tirico. I mean, I, I could care less if Mike Tirico left one football to do another football. None of that matters. 
to me. Like none of these guys, David Faraday, even Barkley. I mean, Barkley at the at the desk at halftime. Yeah, it's great. Him, Kenny, but he's also with Kenny, Shaq, and Ernie Johnson. He's not gonna be with those guys at some golf broadcast. Like, so what? So it's like I, I'm not going to go like, oh, my gosh, watch non-compelling, non-competitive golf in a mishmashed up way to shotgun start rule. Like none of that is compelling to me. So none of these guys are going to make it compelling to me. Cam Smith, the kid that I was really great round of golf, one of the best Sunday putting rounds I've ever seen in my life. And snatches a British Open away from Rory McIlroy and a couple other guys and plays a great round. If he goes with his mullet and his porn mustache to the LIV tour, it's not like I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, I got to go watch. Now, do I think it at this point where the, where the boat is leaning, has it pretty much torpedoed the PGA tour and the future <laughs> of these competitors? Yeah, at the end of the day, it's probably has because now you're just going to have a watered and people are like, well, they're going to merge. Well, they're not really going to merge because the PGA Tour just really has no reason to be involved with the LIV because the LIV has all the money. They're going to control all the decisions. What leverage does the PGA Tour have? The LIV can just keep buying players up and coming players if they want and if those players decide to go there now you've just got in my opinion it's the pga championship is going to even be irrelevant right i mean these guys are basically saying now i'll never be able to touch tiger or jack's major record if tiger couldn't get there i'll never get anywhere near uh, the total wins that tiger and byron nelson have and whatever tiger you know is sitting on and uh, nobody will ever come near that. You get to golf four careers, even if there was never a live tour. And, and these guys know the fields are too deep and they're just not special enough players over the long haul. And that's why they know that. They love the idea of working less, competing less, because you know what? They are less. As, as great as they are, they'll never measure up to Nicholas or Tiger and they'll never come close because they've seen other greats try. And so they've kind of, you know, has that benchmark and that attitude of money come so easy that you don't have to grind it to, to try to win all these tournaments and all these majors. Um, you know, that, that's where it's at. And it's just going to be, in my opinion, the, the Masters because it's special at Augusta and it always will be. The Open Championship uh in the rotation of the courses that it is because it's special and it always will be i think the u.s open is special enough and always will be with the different tracks that they pick over the years but the pga championship even will go into irrelevancy guys won't care if they win that they won't really flaunt that's not going to be something because if the pga tour is non-existent then the pga championship itself as a major is really nothing so you're going to lose all these other tour stops. It's going to hurt cities. It's going to hurt little economies that eventually nobody's going to these these stops and seeing, you know, decent fields, even if big, big names aren't playing that week. You're still going to see some good competitive golf built the way they built it. Medalist play four rounds. Uh, I just don't think live. There's nothing compelling. There's nowhere to go but 
even. There's just there's nowhere to go up. There is no up. There is no. I just feel like it, it is what it is, and you can just keep bringing people, and you're just gonna have the same. You know, it's like how many elephants can you bring to the circus? <laughs> I think what we are. I, I think what it's funny about the addition of uh, Faraday and Barkley, because that's the, that's the part I find funny. I think folks don't understand, or maybe they do, and maybe live is banking on Charles Barkley being covered from an aspect of, well, this is what he said. This part went viral. On the length of something, Charles Barkley can become very annoying. He's very repetitive. On the show where he knows in and out, I mean, I'm pretty sure he knows golf pretty well as well. But eh. if he if he doesn't know, if he doesn't have the right people to play off, right? Then I then I don't. This is just a this is just a waste of money. This may be the first bad signing that they give a guy money. I went, huh? I love Charles Barkley from a basketball perspective, but TNT asked Charles Barkley to talk for 15 to 30 seconds. Right, and he doesn't know that much, even about basketball. Right. And when they throw right. him into college, when when because TNT and True and CBS are all owned by the same, and when they throw him in in college, he's even worse. He knows less about. They try to. He doesn't know anything about the college game, and then they he goes up there, and at least Kenny gets himself sped up to speed on right. college basketball. Right. But and Shaq is smart enough just to keep his mouth shut most of the time and just tell you the obvious of what he's seen on and what team looks good. But when Charles starts to try to break down things he doesn't even know about. So, yeah, he plays golf with his buddies. Right. And maybe right. that'll be good because that's kind of what live golf is. It's just a bunch of buddies out there knocking it around, showing off each other. Hey, look at the, the Rolex I bought. A round of live golf to me reminds me of that scene in Goodfellas after the bank heist or after the heist. And they all show up at the bar. And they're all see a guy. One guy brings a Cadillac, and the next guy's showing the wife's fur coat, and the guy's got the Rolex. That's kind of like what these guys are doing. They're just showing up, you know. Hey, how many events? Whatever. Hey, good to see you, man. Look at the look at the Rolex. Yeah, me. Look at my phone. We, me and my wife, just got back from the island I bought. Yeah. Hey, let's go knock it around a couple of days, and you know, Barkley's gonna come down and interview us on fifty. I mean, it's just a golf outing every every out. It's not, and so I just. I don't see the richness of this. I don't see anything, um, you know, it's just guys that make a billion dollars a minute funding fun golf. This reminds me, I said, I, I got a, a lot of people like this tweet. I said, LIV is basically the Caddyshack 2 of professional golf. Like if Caddyshack is a classic and Caddyshack 2 is just like, well, Let's just do this because we can. It's just whatever. And it's garbage. It's garbage. I don't care. Dan Aykroyd, as great as he is, garbage. Jackie Mason, as great as he is, it was garbage. Chevy Chase is the little cameo. It's like it's like that. Chevy Chase in Caddyshack 2 is basically what Phil Mickelson is to the Live Tour. It's just a garbage cameo of a guy that's just like dialing it in. I just think that when you are... I just think that when you are Charles Barkley, you get offered to do a lot of things. Some of these meetings you never take. Some of these meetings you never publicize. This one you have to take because of the check, the possibility of the check. If I'm Charles Barkley, 
I want this interview. I'm going to make this public because I'm going to go to my boss at TNT and I'm going to say, hey, man, I don't want to do the tournament anymore. Take me off the tournament and I won't do this. But if you don't take me off the tournament, I'm going to look into this and, you know, kind of go his own way. This is a bargaining chip for him to get out of more work. Because if you if you tell me that you want to listen to Charles Barkley talk for three straight days for six hours or for five hours, I'm out. I'm good. Like I said, I'll catch yeah. it on Twitter. When he says something funny, I'll catch it on Twitter. I Now, the competition of the game, if that pulls me to a television, maybe. But I'm not sitting in front of a television because Charles Barkley is calling it. I'm just not. No. And so, uh, you know, and a lot of these guys, it's funny because they say, well, we took the money. That's it's, it's like I spend more time with my family and get to do my own schedule. And now it turns out that a lot of them are, you know, you know, looking towards playing on the Asian tour, which is, yeah, that's a one way to spend a lot of time with your family and take time off, fly across the world into 10 different time zones to play tournaments in Asia, all over Asia. That, 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 that won't wear on you or take a lot of time. So I don't know, man. I mean, Liv's got all the money in the world. Nobody else. And, you know, I have always said this argument, like, well, it was bound to happen. No, it wasn't. It was only bound to happen if, if the, the Saudi Royal family decided they wanted to buy golfers. And what these guys don't really know is at the end of the day, I don't really think they really realize like, they're kind of like, it's kind of like when you when you kind of get made in the mob family, you start doing some tasks for the mob. You start the mobs greasing your hand a little bit. Oh man, yeah, yeah. You don't really know you're working for the mob until it's too late. And you're like, dude, you know who you're dealing with? You know who you signed with? Do you know who you work for? We know everything. We gotta we gotta know where your families are, where they go to school. Like, I don't know. It just seems like it's not this private entity i mean they're trying to use it as a front they're trying to make live golf and put the people like greg norman in the front of all this but we know where it all is coming from you can't just start throwing around 200 million dollars for players just to be on a tour it's un untenable unless you're making a billion dollars a second so something that also was not tentative was this situation with the Lakers. LeBron is sitting across the gym from Russell Westbrook. They don't even communicate to our knowledge. Anthony Davis is who knows where he got married this summer. So the chances of you actually seeing him out doing anything other than being on vacation is hit or miss. And he might, you know, be lucky if he's got to even held a basketball yet. According to him, according, yeah. and that's according to him. Yeah. So the idea that there is now a report that LeBron, AD, and Russ all got on the phone and had this kumbaya conversation or this conversation that, hey, man, Russ, if you're here, we all got to be on the same page. Hey, guys, here's something I don't think you knew. You didn't have a choice. Yeah. Period. Because Jeannie's not going to cut a $47 million check for Russell Westbrook to go play at the YMCA. This ain't John Wall. Then they ain't got that kind of money either, by the way. So if I'm the Lakers, you guys are adult men making 30 to $40 million a piece. You're my salary cap. The three of you clowns are all the money I have. Figure it out. 
sit with each other, figure it out. Because I have a belief, and I believe this to be true, if healthy, which they haven't shown the tendency to be, tell me three better players on one team than Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. Because you may have your, mis your misgivings about Russell Westbrook. He don't take no nights off. He play hard. And he always going to be there. He is the constant in the three. LeBron's the best player of the three. And Anthony Davis may be the young, most versatile version of the three. Again, when healthy, the other the two of the latter haven't shown the ability to do so. But if you want to tell me, because someone put up a, 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 low, a, a graphic of the Lakers roster, and I laughed and went, you could do that with every team. Like, you could literally do that with every team outside of the Clippers now and the Warriors. Like, find a contender. Do that with the Nuggets. Put the Nuggets roster up. I guarantee you, you won't know more than four guys on it. And that roster ain't better than the Lakers' top three. So as much uh, fanfare and drama and concern has been made about what is happening with the relationship between Russell Westbrook and LeBron James and Anthony Davis, if the three of them take the court healthy for more than 60 games, that is a top five Western Conference team. Man, I don't know. And I don't know. And even if I was like, even if I was seeing, you know, LeBron and Westbrook high-fiving and on the same page, yes, they'd be a better team. Of course, I'm not that stupid. I wouldn't right. say that they're going to be a, a team that would miss the play-in. But for some reason, I just feel like this team, it, it's just, it, it, this, this it's, you know, the old Western, this town ain't big enough for the two of us. That offense, <laughs> that, that, I just don't know if, if James and Westbrook would ever work, even being on the same page as much as they could and as positive, uh, yes, would they get more done? Sure. But I just think like, like I was telling somebody recently, I said, Hey, look, if I was the Lakers right now, and if I had, if I was stuck with Russell Westbrook, let's just say you're stuck with Russell Westbrook. I would right. rather have Durant stuck with Westbrook and Anthony Davis. Give me Durant in Los Angeles than LeBron. Now, if I'm every other team in the NBA right now and I'm looking to add either Durant or LeBron, I'm probably going to take LeBron. But if I know I've got Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis, I think my chances would be better with Durant. Make me longer, make me longer, make me harder to defend in the post, make me still active and, and with a ball handler that can wreak the kind of havoc Russ wreaks. Because I just don't think there's enough balls to go around with LeBron and Westbrook. And I think you're going to find that out again this year. I think they're going to be better, especially if they stay healthy. But I don't think that they're going to flip this magical switch that creates them to be one of the best teams in the league because these guys are just together and healthy. I think I think there's a just a built-in dysfunction, whether it was as functional as it could be. I just don't think it works together. I see. I believe that this is totally 100% based on coaching. Period. I think what happens next with the Lakers, what happens next with LeBron, Russ, and AD is totally dependent on Darvin Ham. This is why you pay coaches. Okay. But if they get the manage. same results as Vogel, then is it really Darvin Ham's fault? Because I would, I would argue, I would argue that. If you see the same results in the same way, it is not Darvin Ham's fault. It's don't this one's on the players. 
Okay. But if you if you put this thing together and they listen to the coaching staff who has a plan, I think that this will work. Because I like Darvin Ham as a coach, and I think by bringing in guys like Rasheed Wallace, guys who I like to call straight talkers. Mm-hmm. Rasheed, he's not going to talk around nothing. He's going to tell you like it is. I think right. that's going to help Anthony Davis. I think that's going to kind of clear the air in that locker room at times where Frank Vogel didn't have – Frank Vogel didn't have it. That's why they hired Jason Kidd because Frank Vogel didn't have the cachet with LeBron and with AD. And when Russ came in, it was just an utter disaster when it came to him and Frank Vogel's relationship. I think things are going to be different with Darvin Ham. I think it's a fresh start for Russell Westbrook. I think it's a fresh start for that entire team. And I think the game plan, which I haven't seen it yet, but I think Darvin Ham is going to be able to get Russ to play in a way in a fashion that the previous coach could not. Hey, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think Darvin Ham's obviously for what they've done is a good hire. And it's, you know, it, and I think it's mostly all up to the players. I think Ham will have a plan, like you said. And uh, will they be able to execute it? Will they be able to stay on that same page and stay focused and stay positive and not let two or three game losing streaks uh, implode and, uh, that's going to be the big question between these guys, and and and, and can they li- can they make enough balls go around between those two hands? Um, uh, because I think AD can work off of either of them fine, but is it is it, can they do it all three if two are in a cog? You know, that's going to be the test. That's going to be the test. We'll find out. Again, we'll find out because we've got a long way to go. There's a lot to still happen here, and we may look up and he may, and Russell Westbrook may not even be on the team. So, what happens next is still up in the air. He still got that no we, trade clause, though. I mean, <laughs> why would he want to? And go he anywhere? has to, and he has to approve of wherever he goes, which yeah, is well, another wrinkle and uh, no, rather a more of a monkey right. wrench in the system. Ain't no monkey wrenches here. We'll be back tomorrow. Peace. We'll see y'all for our Friday Brown and Lawhead. See y'all tomorrow. Peace.